The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. talk to you about a principle, a general rule, that once in a while, indeed, God allows an exception for. But I'm not talking about the exception, I'm talking about the rule. Uh, I'm going to read a couple passages, and I'm going to read two passages, and you'll understand more as I go down the way. You, you, the only one I want you to really turn to is the Ephesians passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5 through 13. Uh, the text verse in that is really verse 11, but I want to give you a context. I want to read, in the meantime, you'll know this almost, so I don't need to uh, turn to it. It's Matthew 28, 18-20. We quote it here a lot. It's quoted many times. It should be. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. This is just before he goes back to heaven. Go ye therefore, and that's plural, and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. How many things? Uh, detail makes a difference with God. Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, if I've ever seen a good verse on penetration, that is a good verse. Go ye into the world. Penetrate, right? But there's some balance to that given in Ephesians chapter 5. For this ye know that no whoremonger, this is in verse 5 of Ephesians 5, no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater hath any, how much? Any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you, because there are people out there saying, I can do these things, and yet I'm a Christian. I can do these things on a regular basis, and I'm going to heaven. I can do these things. I can practice these things. I'm going to be okay. Let no man deceive you with vain words, empty words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And what is the instruction there in verse 7? Be not ye, therefore, partakers with them. <clears throat> be ye not partakers with them. For you were sometimes in darkness, but now are you in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And this is a key verse. I'll go back to it. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But what's our attitude to them? But rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, much the less fellowship. If it's a shame to speak about them, how much should we not fellowship with them? Make sense? What is fellowship? Two fellows in a ship. It's, it's a close, 
it's a close fellow. It's a close movie. It's a, it's a, a relationship with a very close contact. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So if he says you're to reprove the works of darkness, that means that you're representing the light because the light reproves the darkness. If this room is completely pitch black and I come in and hit the switch, the light dispels the darkness. But if I take, if I take the light away, the darkness comes over and inhabits the place. But as soon as light comes, it dispels. The very nature of you and I as born-again Christians, if you have the Holy Spirit in you and you're truly born from heaven and you are a child of light, the natural, normal reaction is that when you walk among the unsaved, you will reprove them. You will manifest the light, and that light will drive them away from you, or they will repent, ask Christ to save them, and become children of light like you did. Are you with me? I'm laying the groundwork here for you a little bit. Recently, I was discussing whether Christians should attend a state college. May I take a drink of water? I have a little, I took an aspirin. It's eating a hole in me. Oh, that's better. All right. I was discussing uh, with a young man about attending a state college, about if it was okay for a Christian to attend a state college. This is a pretty normal conversation I have with young Christians. Uh, do we, or can we go uh, among state school? And this particular school was LSU, a real party school. Guess where it's by? Bourbon Street. And uh, it's a party school. It's a, a typical college, typical state college. I went a year to IU myself. Indiana University and uh, at South Bend, and I under, and and I was sitting in the classes, and I saw the stuff. Across, I was in an economics class. Across the hallway was a psychology class. In the psychology class, they were showing triple X pornography. I said triple X pornography because back then there wasn't four X. They didn't know about it. But there was triple X pornography, and they were showing the whole class of six hundred students. Why? He wanted to see how they'd react. I can tell you how they're going. I'll tell you how well the boys came out of there. How, because when we dismissed at the same time, both doors opened into each other, and then boys came out of there. The girls were embarrassed, many of them. But the boys were, were all fired up. And they wonder why they had rape in the dormitories. They wonder why they had uh, a molestation going on at the school. But that was just my economic teacher raised his hand one day in economics and says, some of you in my class believe there's this, and he said it just like this, there's this, there's this invisible hand that's guiding everything. Mocking God as hard as he could. He knew I was, after the class was over, I went up and gave him a gospel tract. I wrote a paper. I got a C minus. I took tests that I did much better, I got a C minus. I never got over a C minus any time in that class. He couldn't flunk me, but he would he would not give me over a C minus no matter what I did. Because he was a he was vested, by the way, if you know about uh, they don't call it vested in colleges, but once they get uh, a certain place you can't fire them. Yeah, you probably know what, you know much more squared away than I am on that, but uh, I was talking to this. There are two major lines of reasoning along the line. Should a Christian go to a state school? Now, you understand the typical Christian going to state school is 18 to 22 years old. I think most of you old people understand that's still formative years. 
I know a lot of times we like to talk about formative years as 8, 9, 10 or whatever, but you're still forming your philosophical opinions and what you believe is right and wrong from 18 to 22. You know that. And you're still tender to opinion, and you're also tender to peer pressure, and you're, you're, you're also sometimes wowed by intelligence, education, PhDs, and those kinds of things. Now, you get my age, you're not wowed by that. But, but, but when you're young like that, you're, you're pretty wowed by that kind of stuff, and you're enamored by a, a large vocabulary, or somebody can get up there and really speak words you've never heard before, and, and they're just, they go off into, into, into one, oh my, you know, you just sit there and with your mouth open. I've seen, I've seen kids just, when, a guy that, you know, a, a professor from Notre Dame one time taught history in one of the classes I was in. And man, I mean, that guy knew history like I never heard history before. And I mean, he just wowed everybody. But he was an absolute heathen. Didn't believe in an absolute moral of any kind. Didn't believe in an absolute book of right and wrong. And so right away, he's got your respect. Right away, he's got your admiration. Right away, he's by far superior to you. He's telling you there's no God. He's telling you there's no book. He's telling you you don't have. And so that's pretty, pretty powerful. One kid left here at 26 years old. He went up to uh, Florida State University, and uh, he called me. Now, this kid, when he left here, 26-year-old, you think a 26-year-old be pretty squared away. He left 26 years old. He leaves. He's solid. He knows Jesus. He knows the Bible fairly well. You think he's pretty squared away. He goes there, at about six, eight months into the semester, he calls me up on the phone. And he says, Brother Bill, you know, I'm listening to these guys up here, and these guys are smart. He says, I'm beginning to think maybe evolution is true. I said, what you begin to think then is the Bible's not true and evolution's true because you can't have both. And he says, you know, they, they bring up some good reasons. I said, quit the college, drop out, lose all your money, and come home. Because I said, you're going to lose your soul. Now, if a 26-year-old with a fairly intelligent young man can be influenced by just being in the midst of that fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I think maybe an 18 to 22-year-old could possibly also, and maybe even a 30-year-old if you, if you put them in it long enough and hard enough. Well, there's two lines of reasoning. One line of reasoning about this subject is to cohabitate with the unsaved. Uh, the title is Cohabitate or Penetrate. The two, the two reason, philosophy reasonings on what, what should we do here. Should we fellowship, cohabitate, or as Christians, should we take the philosophy of penetrate the unsaved or lost? Should we cohabitate with them, or should we just penetrate them? I'm going to try to reason through with you as, as quickly as possible. Uh, the word cohabitate could be a synonym for that, could be infiltrate. Should we infiltrate the lost that has the sense of being with them in a, in a fellowship manner, or what? And the verses that were quoted to me for justifying that is going to the world and preach a gospel to every creature. Uh, Mark 16, 15. The idea is infiltrate them, win them, uh, by cohabitating with them, by fellowshipping with them. In a secular uh, college environment, it works like this. You attend a secular college, you stay in the dorms, if you stay in the dorms, okay? I went and looked online. Most dorms are co-ed. What's that mean? That means girls can be across the room, across the hallway. I'm thinking of myself as an 18-year-old. Whoa, mama. Girls in the same building? 
Uh, you attend class with them, you make friends with them, you play sports with them, you walk with them closely, daily, intimately as part of the school. You attend and participate in classes uh, that, are, that they teach. Uh, by the way, you're a learner there. You're a learner there. You are, not, you are not the master. You are the learner. You are under, you have voluntarily put yourself under the absolute unsaved, anti-God philosophy, uh, and you are in their tutelage. Would you, uh, Bobby, follow them, folks. See if they're okay. A couple just left. See if everything's good. No, yeah, there you go. You are under their tutelage. Um, what is their tutelage? Well, evolution is factual science. And if you do not believe in evolution, then you do not factual, you, you, <laughs> you are not scientific. Hello. Uh, if you do not believe in evolution, you cannot be a credible scientist in their school. How about same-sex marriage? They're going to teach that as a normal avenue. How about homosexuality as an alternate lifestyle? They're going to teach that just as a choice. They're going to teach abortion is fine. It's a choice. They're going to mock and they're going to laugh at abs that anybody that lives by a 3,500-year-old book. That's the way it was verbalized to me. Who in the world, in their right mind, would ever guide their life by a 3,500-year-old book? And then they laugh and say, man, nobody's right mind would do that. You know, what about progressiveness and, 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 and what about all that? No. They, te they will teach relativism. No certain right or wrong. They will teach humanism. They will teach postmodernism. They will teach agnosticism. And most of all, they will teach hedonism. Now, you don't know what those words mean. It's okay. You won't miss anything out. They will question authority in every direction. Uh, you, as a student, are going to learn from them specifically to get their certification of approval. Uh, that, you, uh, that you've understood, you've taken their courses, you've passed their tests. By the way, it means you have to answer the questions, right, to pass the test. Is there something, is, is this something a Christian should put themselves under? Should you do this? Or, that's the first line of reasoning, or the second line of reasoning, which is the reasoning of penetration. And we get that, and I had to read Ephesians with me, Ephesians chapter 5, because I wanted you to understand kind of where Ephesians chapter 5 was going with Paul, where he says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, that's not the only verse in the Bible that teaches separation from evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, all the way through 7, 1, says, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Have no fellowship. Uh, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And there's many other places in Scripture. I'm just telling you, because of time, unless you want to stay here for another hour, I'm just going to give you the tip of the iceberg and let you go from there. So there are other passages. First John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17, love not the world, things in the world, and all these other things. So the philosophy of penetration believes in winning the lost. Oh, yes. Uh, we have a deep compassion for the lost, their lost souls. Oh, yes. We sacrifice greatly to see them saved. We, but we also believe, and not only in seeing them saved as, as the, the cohabitating crowd, the fellowshipping crowd, the, the infiltration crowd, they want to say, well, we love these people. We want to see them saved, so we get among them and cohabitate with them, and that way we win them, preacher. 
act like we don't care about them. But the people who take a different philosophy in this, of the philosophy of separation and penetration. But no, no, we do. We love them. We, man, we spend all kind. We spare no expense. We support missions. Uh, we evangelize them every way possible. But we will not violate the open and known commands of Scripture that warn us not to have fellowship with them. Because if we have fellowship with them in a cohabitating type of an environment where we're under their tutelage and under their authority, we can be influenced by them more than we will influence them. And indeed, will, and will they take what we have to say if we're obeying the Bible and reproving them of their unfruitful works. Ooh. When I told that professor uh, in economics, macroeconomics, that I was a born-again Christian and I was against what he... From that point on, I was outside of that whole deal. I was a target of ridicule. I was a target of, of his discretion, lowering my grade to a seam. I realized real quick I had no business being there. I had no business being at IU where they had beer blasts and everything else because I couldn't be a testimony to them like I should be and be with them. And I didn't know much of the Bible then. But I knew enough. I had read this verse, and I said, man, God doesn't seem to tell you to live with these people. He seems to tell you to tell them about me, but don't live with them in, in a fellowship manner. Stand apart from their unfruitful philosophies. The Bible seems to teach to stand apart from their theories, stand apart from their opinions, stand apart from their conclusions. He makes it clear that there should be a difference between lifestyles and life philosophy. The one, the one philosophy says cohabitate to win them. The other philosophy says penetrate to win them. Both want in, in a good motivation of heart to win them. I'm not judging motivation at all. But one is biblical and one is not. You may understand that out of our little school, Gospel Baptist here, we have now 11 young people that have chosen not to go to the state, not to go to the heathen for their college degree, but to go to a Christian school where Christ is exalted and put number one, where, where, where history is his story uh, the world did not start by evolution, but by creation, and teaches academics in a biblical fashion, and they cohabitate with and fellowship with folks of like precious faith that love Jesus. It's not coincidental that that has happened. Because we have preached and taught the biblical concept of penetration of the lost, we want our kids to, in those colleges, go in the cities those colleges are and go on the bus routes and go door to door and get out there and win the lost to Christ. But you do not dwell with them by the grace of God. Cohabitate, as it were. But the, the cohabitation folks in argumentation back say to me, we're strong enough, preacher. We can withstand the close encounter on a daily basis without compromising our beliefs or violating Jesus' commands. We can be taught by them, preacher. We can sit at their feet, preacher, and listen to their instruction. We can expose ourselves to long periods of their evil. We can ingest, preacher, the erroneous philosophies they have without harm, even in our formative years. 
we, preacher, can influence evil rather than evil influence us. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm thinking of so many casualties of that philosophy. If you went to a restaurant that poisoned through tomaine uh, five out of ten, would that be acceptable? Right, after you get done with this message, you're going to be hungry. And I think most of you are going to go eat after this message. When we get out at one o'clock, I think you're going to want to go eat somewhere. Now, if I told you every restaurant around here, we have good restaurants here, five out of the ten people that eat there get told me and have to go to the hospital and they're deathly sick for three days. But that's only five out of ten. You'd go, preacher, five out of ten is unacceptable. Okay. There's a restaurant down the road that nine out of ten do not get Tomaine, but one out of ten gets Tomaine. Would that be acceptable? What if I said, well, there's another restaurant down the road that one out of a hundred gets Tomaine. Would that be acceptable? And the answer is no, preacher. We don't want one out of a hundred. We don't want one out of a thousand. We don't want one out of ten thousand. Preacher, we want to go to a restaurant where nobody gets Tomaine. Amen? And yet we'll send our young people to, to secular colleges and lose five out of ten of them. And say, that's not bad. Five of them made it. Five of them made it. Five of them were strong enough to do it, preacher. But what about the five that didn't? Are you willing to take that kind of attrition rate? But it's worse than that. I'm trying to think in my mind through this whole week of one person who went to a secular school from Gospel Baptist and is still living for Jesus. It's not acceptable because it's not biblical. It's not Jesus' way. It's not his way. The penetration group, that's us, by the way, believes that Jesus knows best. You ever heard that old show, Father Knows Best? Boy, I'm going back now. How many remember Father Knows Best? You are old. How many here do not remember Father Knows Best? You're shy, you're not raising your hand, and you're young. Them old folks that raise their hand. Jesus knows better. You know what? I approach the Bible like he's the master and I'm the learner. I approach the Bible like, you know, he's been around the block a few times. Like maybe he knows more about life than I know. Maybe, maybe God actually knows more than I know and he can tell me. And so I'm going to listen what he says. And if he says it, I'm going to do it by the grace of God. Jesus knows best that evil is strong. That's what the Bible says. An overall warning in Scripture is to avoid evil, if possible, and to do good. Not to enter into the environment of evil if you can, if you can stay away from it. In other words, the Bible teaches this principle, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And so if I go to a state college, a state college and inundate myself in their philosophy and I get a little leaven in me, I don't, I don't buy the whole thing. I get a little leaven in me. That very likely, that little leaven, according to the Bible, little leaven, leaven's old, leaven obviously is, is representation of evil in the Bible. Uh, that little evil 
could eventually corrupt and ruin me for the cause of Christ. It's big. It's big. And what do I do with these verses where it says in Romans 16, 19, but I would have you to be wise in that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. Simple meaning innocent to that which is evil. We're not supposed to know every wicked thing that's going on out there. If the Bible says it's a shame even to speak of those things which they do, what in the world are we telling our kids, well, you need to learn about this evil. You don't need to learn about evil, brother. You don't need to learn about it. It'll come to you. The Bible says to be educated, to be wise on that which is good, but to be simple or innocent to the concerning. What do you do with passages like that? What do you do with passages like 1 Corinthians 15, 33, where it says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. It simply means evil company corrupts good morals. Basically, what the Bible says, if you take a righteous person and typically put him among a bunch of evil folks, it's, they're, it's, they're going to influence him more than he influences them. Why? Because this world is the devil's. Duh. He's the God of this world, the prince and power of the air. We're not home, amen? We're aliens in this place. This is their place, not our place. By the way, this thing will pass away. Fire is going to consume everything that's ever been seen by your eye because this place has to be destroyed eventually. Because of it, say, what do you do with passages like, be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. What do you do with a passage that says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And when you go to those second, you dive into those environments and expose yourself to the naked, as a man, just sheerly to the nakedness of it all. The girls look the best they're ever going to look from 18 to 22, and they are wearing as little as they'll ever wear. And yet you say to your boy, go to there. Now you be moral now. In a pig's eye. What do you do in 1 Peter 3.11 where it says, let him, a righteous man should eschew evil and do good. Skew evil means to avoid it and push it away. Try to stay away from it. Don't expose yourself by the grace of God. What do you do where, where <laughs> what do you do with 1 Corinthians 10.13, where it says, There are no temptation taken you, which such is common to man. But God is faithful. What is he faithful? He's faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. Now, when I, when I voluntarily put myself in those environments, I don't think God owes me a way of escape. Are you with me? So if God doesn't owe me a way of escape because I've already violated these principles, then I'm subject to the temptation and will fall under it. The penetrator recognizes these things, these biblical things, and so many more. And the exhortations and the warnings associated with evil things and the philosophies and seeks to obey God and keep as, 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 as far and as clear from associating in a fellowship manner with the evil things as possible. Doesn't mean they don't talk to unsaved people. Doesn't mean, by the way, my wife picked up a magazine in Lowe's the other day, and she, she just picked up a magazine, look at it, and there was a gospel track in it. We flipped it over, said Gospel Baptist Church. 
I said, give me a couple other magazines. I threw a few more in them. I mean, we are everywhere, brother. You can't buy a sport coat without one of our gospel tracks, hardly. You can't buy a pair of, a pair of clothing without one of our gospel tracks. You can't buy a Budweiser, hardly, without one of our gospel tracks. We're everywhere. Tell me somebody's doing more, and we'll do more. Tell me something else we can do to penetrate. We'll penetrate more. We love the unsaved. We want them to be saved. But we, can, we understand that Jesus knows more than we know. And he tells us that you cannot have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Because if you do, they'll affect you. But instead, he says, rather reprove them. And I can tell you this much. People, I know people well enough to know if you're around somebody and you reprove them, they ain't going to want to be around you. You say, brother, one of my best friends is an unsaved person. You ain't telling him about Jesus. You start telling him about Jesus, he ain't going to be your best friend. He ain't going to be your best friend very long. Penetrator will not compromise God's clear instructions. He'll do the things. I think of John 14, 21, where he said, Jesus' words, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Well, these people, these uh, cohabitators will say, Well, we love Jesus, and we just want to see people saved. You're lying. Because if you love Jesus, you'd keep his commandments. Because he said, if you love me and keep my and you keep my if you keep my commandments, you're the one that loves me. John 14, 21. Look it up. So let's reason real quickly. You attend a secular university, voluntarily expose yourself to all this wrong there, desiring to keep separate from it, but not wanting uh, uh, what they have to offer. If you're violating the commandments of God already in First uh, Corinthians 10:13. And not avoiding it, but putting yourself in the midst of it voluntarily. You do not have the power of God. God is not obliged to give you a way of escape. Consequently, I believe that you love yourself more than you love the commandments of Jesus. So you're in direct disobedience. You're trusting in your strength, not God's strength. You're trusting in your wisdom, not God's wisdom. And I believe you're a victim looking for a place to happen. You're a victim looking for a place to happen. Do you believe what Jesus said? Do you believe the Bible, what it says? Then do it. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do it the Bible way. Meet the unsaved on neutral ground. Meet them in, in their front of their doors, from door to door. Meet them at work. Meet them on the street. Meet them in parades. Meet them in shopping malls. Meet them in neighborhoods. Meet them uh, through gospel literature. Meet them over the internet and give them the gospel through our website and sermons on web and all that. Meet them through, through preaching the gospel over TV. Meet them and by inviting them to church to hear the message preached. Penetrate their world. But do not fellowship with them. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? Question of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 7, 1. What fellowship hath light with darkness? The answer is obvious. None. So if you can have fellowship with the world, there's something wrong with. If you have the light of, of, the, of the love of Jesus Christ in your heart, and you can walk in fellowship and go to their and, and go and drink with them and go to their places of, of entertainment and party with them and everything, and it doesn't bother you. It doesn't and it doesn't bother you enough to tell them this is wrong, and if you keep doing this, you're gonna go to hell for all eternity if you're gonna miss Jesus. You don't love Jesus or them. That's the truth. That's the truth about it. Penetrate their world, yes, but don't seek their philosophies, don't seek their influences. Don't do it. 
penetrate them, but do not cohabitate. Through the last 30, 40 years, the philosophy of cohabitation has been heavily preached, taught in new evangelical circles. We need to be in their school. I think of a young lady that used to go to church here, and, and she uh, was at one time in her life going to go to a Christian school. And she decided not to go to a Christian school and decided to go to a secular college. And on her Facebook, I would see her uh, Facebook with beer parties and drunkenness and nakedness, ungodliness. And I think she was she was one of them that said to me, "I can be I'll be okay. I'll be I'll be okay. I'll be okay." Believe that all you want, but the Bible says different. I'm going with this. You remember what I started out with, principles? There's sometimes an exception. Once in a while, for whatever reason, a Christian kid will go to a state school and they'll do okay. He'll do okay. He'll stand up for the truth. He'll carry his Bible to class. He'll take his beating. He'll take his whipping. He'll make it through. But we don't make our decisions on the exceptions. I can't personally explain how somebody, I'm glad, I'm glad for it. Tom Gillespie is a graduate of secular college, Kansas State University. Are you, are you a graduate of secular college? Just some of us in here, people graduate from secular school, somehow they made it. But let me tell you, is five out of five okay? When you go eat this afternoon, it's going to be okay to you, five out of five? I don't want to see that kind of attrition. I don't want to see one out of ten. I don't want to see... One out of a hundred. I believe if you follow the book, God will cause you to prosper. You say, well, Brother Bill, God's telling me to go to a secular school. Well, really, ultimately, that's between you and God, but you've been warned. You've been warned. I'd search the Bible real carefully what the philosophy of that whole thing is. Father, we pray this morning the Spirit of God may take the Word of God, instructions, exhortations, the verses, and may apply them as you seek fit. Father, you told us, you've told us over and over and over again, a little leaven leavens a whole lump, to skew evil, to avoid it, to not have any fellowship with it, to in fact, we're to be aggressively rebuking and reproving the unfruitful works of darkness. Father, help us to be that salt. What does salt do? It preserves. It kills bacteria. And your analogy is that we're the salt of the world. What does light do? Light repels darkness. It does not welcome it. It repels it. It separates it. What are we? According to the Bible, you said we're the light of the world. Now, if we're the light of the world, if we're the salt of the world. The function of both of those is to repel darkness and repel infection bacteria, to preserve. Help us, Father, to do those things which you've asked us to do. Help us to be as active as we possibly can be out there in the world as we walk through this old world, to be able to not be not take ourselves out of the world totally, no, but the fellowship. Oh, to be careful. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You are